0: the latest edition of 100 the ed gordon podcast today a conversation with actress host author and mom garcelle beauvais all of her success is an against the odds tale after her parents divorced her mother took her seven children from haiti to america to start a new life garcelle the youngest of the children spoke no english learning it from, among other things, watching Sesame Street. Their move to Massachusetts would land Garcel in an all-white environment, and it was the first time of many that made her feel like a fish out of water. But that never stopped the soon-to-be star from persevering. I wondered how much of coming from Haiti played a role in her drive. I have been to Haiti on a couple of occasions. And I'm curious, even though you left relatively early, I believe we are where we came from. So tell me what that island has done for you and, and, and you know, who you are because of it.
1: Who I am because of it is uh, I have integrity. I have a lot of faith and we are resilient. <laughs> and I think that resiliency has played into my journey in terms of from Haiti to Hollywood.
0: How much of, and, you know, sometimes I think we psychoanalyze stuff way too much, right? Uh, but but the truth is we are a lot of our history. Um, you know, that nation um, is, is and has been for generations and generations poverty stricken. When we talk about your resilience and we talk about the stick-to-itiveness that you've had throughout your life and throughout your career, how much of that do you think, played a role in who who you are in that way?
1: I think it played a huge role. First of all, I remember where I'm from. I think that's really important. You have to remember where you came from. And I think also having being an immigrant when I moved to the United States has given me that drive, you know, that drive from being able to come here to America sort of living the American dream, although I didn't even know what the American dream was. But definitely that gave me the fortitude to continue to work and push through and push through regardless. And I think that's a lot of it being, you know, my Haitian roots.
0: Why now for the memoir, um, Love Me As I Am? You know, what made you say now is the time?
1: You know, it felt like personally and professionally, I'm in a really good place. Um, and I felt like I had made some peace with certain things that I've written about the book and, uh, some I was sure of and others brought up things that I thought I had peace around and I didn't. So it was really interesting, um, in writing it. And, um, my writing partner, Nicole E. Smith was, uh, it was cathartic as people say, but it also made me see my responsibility in different things in terms of like my relationship with my dad or lack thereof um knowing what i know now i would have given him more of a chance of being in my life
0: what was it for you that you wanted people to take away most from the book
1: for me it was really getting to know me deeper you know sometimes on the outside it looks shiny and fabulous and perfect. And it was far from it. I mean, again, from my roots to my journey, my relationship with my mom, questions I wish I had asked her, you know, especially in the Black community, um, when you're raised, kids were seen and not heard. And um, there were some things that I wish I had asked my mom. So it was really at paying an homage to her while letting people in to my life a mm-hmm. little bit deeper, a little bit more in depth.
0: You talk about your mom and dad, and it's interesting, you know, when we look at how much sway our parents have on us and who we become as adults, um, they were divorced yet continued relationship throughout is, is the case often. Um, your, your father, very much a Haitian male, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, I, and I hesitate to say that because I think men of color, no matter where we are, Still hold on to kind of that old school thinking of head of household and you're going to do what I say, whether we want to admit it or not.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) You know, even those of us who believe we are evolved, I don't care what you say. And to a great degree, and I argue with some women uh, with this, I think women sometimes do want you to be a certain way, not overbearing, not dominant in the sense of, you know, holding you down from your dreams. But I do think that old sense of men and women's roles are important still. Um, Talk to me about your mom, because you talk about the strength that you got from her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was incredible. I mean, the fact that she left us in Haiti for a year and a half and came out, came to America on her own in order to get us our paperwork. I mean, she's a single mom doing all this stuff. Right. And she left me with my sisters, with my older sisters. And She went to Boston and found her way and made her way and got us, you know, the right documents to come to the United States. And um, she gave me my wings to fly, you know, at the age of 17. I mean, a lot of Haitian mothers wouldn't have let their daughter, especially their baby, to go off to New York and become a model. We didn't even know what that was. We didn't know you could actually make a living doing this, but she had the wherewithal and trusted and and thought I brought them here for opportunities. This is an opportunity. Let's follow through. And so she was sort of my angel the entire way.
0: I want to ask you about that because it's interesting to me, you know, so much is talked about even before the book that you came here at seven, didn't really know English, learned it from watching Sesame street and other things. Right. But here's, what's interesting. Even in the decade between then and you going to Miami and then New York to model, Mm -hmm. when you think about it, that's extraordinary in the sense of even understanding what English is, because you can learn a language but not know the nuances all the time. I would think you were still a fish out of water to a great degree.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think the younger you come, you're like a sponge. You sort of get it all like I don't have an accent, but my sisters have accents because they (laughs) came older. For sure. I mean, it was definitely a fish out of water. I remember being in Massachusetts, being the only black kid in my school and then going to school in Miami with kids with that looked like me and had hair like me. And and uh, and that was an interesting transition, because mm-hmm. then they thought I I thought that I was white because of the way I spoke. Um, and so there was a lot of different things. And I think those are the things that have made me um forged through in different aspects in my life, you know, whether from modeling to acting to producing, like those things gave me some of my strength that I can walk into a room and be the only thing different, but yet Mm -hmm. I can still, um, get through it.
0: So to a great degree. And again, I don't want to get, you know, sometimes we try to get deep with our questions, but I'm I'm gonna try this anyway. (laughs) You know, as I think about it, it just hit me now. And I'm wondering how you kind of and really it's the only existence you've had here but i think about almost every uh corner of your life has been that way so yeah. from massachusetts to miami you enter modeling which particularly at that time is lily white to a great degree
1: absolutely you go
0: to hollywood which i i still argue in spite of the advancements we've made is still very lily white so every environment you've kind of landed in you've been different and had to deal with that what do you think that's done for you personally
1: um giving me tough skin <laughs> it's let me for sure know that I can hold my own you know in whatever room I'm in and you're right absolutely it's still Lily white it's still um even on housewives you know what I mean being the first black housewives uh was a thing when I started and um yeah it just makes me know where I stand in terms of in my person. Like when I show up, I show up kind of for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we do when we're in a room and we're the only ones there.
0: You, do you think, think we make, make too much? That carry that. You think black folk, and I don't say this to get you in trouble, because I know these, sometimes we say things and, you know, people take it and run with it, but I would suspect you've not allowed race to be the thing to hold you. Sometimes I think we make too much of it Agree in certain corners.
1: Agree. No, I never have. I mean, for me, it's always been um, I'm going to do what I do anyways, regardless whether I'm scared, whether I'm intimidated in the room. You're not going to know that, (laughs) but I'm going to know that. But I think that's what uh, we just always had to do.
0: Tell us the persona people think you are that you're not.
1: Um, I think. And I think that's changed now since I'm on Housewives and people get, get to see me and not a character. <laughs> yeah. But I think before people probably thought, oh, maybe stuck up or maybe diva or uh, things like that. But the minute you spend like five minutes with me, all that goes away because that's not really who I am. Right. You know, wow. I haven't relied on the outside. I've actually worked on the inside.
0: And her inside is full of fire for success. At 16, she would move to Miami on her own to start a modeling career. By 17, she was in New York City and signed by one of the top modeling agencies in the country. That would lead to acting. She landed small roles on a couple of episodes of Miami Vice. From there, she would get roles in episodes of many shows, including The Cosby Show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Family Matters. She also played one of the Rose Bearers in the classic movie, Coming to America. In 1994, she became part of the ensemble cast of the television drama Models, Inc. Two years later, she would land the role that endeared her to Black America when she played Francesca Fancy Monroe on The Jamie Foxx Show. I ask as she looks back now at all of what her professional journey has been, How does she see it?
1: It was hard. (laughs) It was hard, especially coming from the modeling world. People didn't think we could walk and talk at the same time, right? Casting directors were like, yeah, she's pretty, but can she act? And so, yeah, there were lots of times that I didn't get a job or didn't get, you know, a second audition. And I would be like, God, if this is not for me, let me know what else should I do? So, yeah, it was definitely hard. But when you look at it on a whole, It's been an amazing ride, you know, from Jamie Foxx to working with Denzel, Chris Rock, Anthony Hopkins. I mean, the list goes on. Um, It's been an amazing ride.
0: And that amazing ride has continued. In 2020, she became a co-host of the daytime talk show, The Real. That same year, she also became part of another established television show. But this one surprised a lot of people. Garcelle would join season 10 of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
1: The decision was, uh, was you know, it was a struggle because my whole team were like, you're not doing this, you're doing so well as an actress. We're just telling you because, you know, that they're interested because you know a lot of people. We don't want them to, you know, think that we didn't tell you. So I said, let me think about it. And they were surprised that I even <laughs> wanted to do that. But for me, At the time, I was traveling a lot, you know, because pretty much nothing shoots in L.A., right? It's either Atlanta, Vancouver, Toronto. And my kids, who I share with their dad, were about to go into middle school. And I was like, I really don't want to travel as much. I really want to be home more. So the timing was great. And then I thought, okay, I like the franchise. I know some of the women. Was I scared? Absolutely. But I thought, let's give it a try. I mean, I've always done other things other than just acting I've hosted, produced. So I was like, let me try. And so when I told my team, they were like, we don't think this is a good idea, Mm -hmm. but if you want to do it, go ahead. And so what I really wanted to do is completely be authentic to me. I didn't want to go there with a preconceived notion of what people think I should be. And I know some people think, oh, she's not street enough or she's not mean enough but i'm handling it the way it's my reality so therefore mm-hmm. it has to be me you know and when i've had race conversations on the show um i feel like i brought more of a a sense of real life to the show you know i'm a hands on mom i don't have a bunch of nannies or you know people around and uh i really wanted to be me and i think that's what people are relating to and that's what people have said they like is that they feel that they're really getting me.
0: Her memoir, Love Me As I Am, is full of interesting stories, including being wooed by Michael Jordan and briefly dating Will Smith and being asked by Bill Cosby to read lines at his home. But Garcelle said she wanted the book to be more than Hollywood stories. She decided to be personally vulnerable and she shares stories of hurt and real life. She talks of a number of very personal things, including not always being close to her father and her second husband's five-year affair that she discovered by seeing an email he sent to his mistress. When you decided to sit down and, and, and write it, um, you have to make decisions at that point when you write a memoir of how much you're going to really allow people to see give me a sense of, of uh, how you decided to go past a certain comfort level maybe
1: yeah you know it's a memoir it's my story it's my journey and i really felt like if i held back it would have felt it wouldn't have felt as authentic and you know what i'm human you know we all have ups and downs and flaws and and things that hurt really really bad and what i really hoped is that i could inspire someone anyone really and what i've gotten out of the out of, you know, doing the book tour is the different people that have connected with the book from, you know, a black woman assumed. Nope. I knew that, but white young girls, gay Indian men. It just, it was really, that's what I took away from it. That was really surprising to me is that how many different people connected with the book and they weren't from Haiti. They weren't a woman, they didn't model. They didn't, You know, all those things. So I really wanted it to be me, honestly.
0: From day one, Garcelle's beauty has been a big part of how she's been seen and marketed. I ask about the irony of being touted in the industry as a beauty, being the fantasy of many men, yet having rocky marriages, and like others, finding herself blindsided by a partner's infidelity. I suggested many would see it as inconceivable that she would have found herself in that
1: place. I don't think of it that way because I don't see myself that way. It's beautiful that people do. But sometimes my girlfriend uh, has to go, do you know who you are? (laughs) So um, I like the aspect of not thinking of myself that way. I just see, you know, I've been blessed in a lot of ways and I'm grateful for those things, but I don't. I don't buy into them all,
0: you know, you have not. uh, I saw as you talked to others, um, you've not fallen into the trap of giving up on marriage as a possibility or love, you know, that soulmate as a possibility. Is that just your nature or what did you do? Because so many people after X number of tries or X number of marriages or whatever the case may be, go, ah, this ain't for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I love love, and I really do believe that one day I will find my person. I think, um, listen, if I was a quitter, I wouldn't be here now talking to you, right? So I can't quit on that either. Hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm gonna wish and hope until the day he shows up.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he's out there somewhere. That I can promise you. Let me ask you about the hustle. That it is you. I think you know. I think about sure. um, you've done children's books. You've got a podcast. You just signed a deal with NBC Universal for a first look. Yeah. Um, you did a line of children's jewelry. You know you've got X number of shows going. Um, is is that mom and dad? Is that just innate in you? What is that? Because you know you could you could lay back a little bit. <laughs> You know, you just you just left the reel, right? You were on the reel. Yeah. So I mean, yes. come on, come on, girl, sit down.
1: <laughs> I actually think the hustle is in me. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I feel like it's a part of me. I love being busy. I love being creative. Um and uh I just uh love being busy. I really do. I feel like I thrive. Yes, there are times where I go, okay, we got to slow down. We're not a spring chicken anymore. And obviously, I want to spend time with my kids before they go off to college. They're about to be 15 in October. Um, So I'm trying to balance it, but I really do love what I do. I mean, this is the dream, you know? So many times as an artist, it's all about momentum, right? So you would get a job, you would get two, and then it's kind of quiet for a while, so now I feel like the momentum is, uh, is there, and so I want to ride it until whenever.
0: We also talked about the one thing she's most associated with, her character Fancy from the Jamie Foxx show. I wondered how she felt about having a character so beloved that it lives far beyond the life of the series. Some actors see that as a blessing, while others see it as a curse. I think of Thelma on good times for years, good times was off and people would still love her as Thelma.
1: No matter what, I mean,
0: even kids that weren't born right. When it was on.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Tell me what that character means to you and the connection you have. Sometimes we shortchange with, but I'm speaking specifically of Black folks, not that whites didn't watch the Jamie Foxx show, yeah. but it was a beloved show in Black America. Give me a sense of what that has meant to you.
1: That has connected me to my community. You know, I, anywhere I go, I hear fancy, fancy. I mean, a lot of actors don't want that. They don't want to be pigeonholed or whatever stereotype. stereotyped. Um, but I love it. You know, what you want as an artist is to be able to connect with people, and for them connecting with fancy on the Jamie Fox show to me has given me sort of like an uh, icon status. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think it's beautiful. Um, I'd never want to take that away. I would never say, don't say that. Don't call me that. Let's not talk about it. It really put me on the map and in in a, in a great way with again, with my folks, with my peeps.
0: Yeah. What, uh, what do you long to do you haven't been able to do yet?
1: Ooh, um, I've done a lot. I think I just want to continue on this journey of creating and discovering and um, being a role model for my boys. That, and also for women. I feel like at a certain age, when you get a divorce, people think that's the end. That's mm-hmm. the end of you. Um, and I feel like that just got me started. So who knows
0: what's, what's motherhood for you? You know, every, again, every interview I've watched, you are quick to bring front and center being a mommy, you know, uh-huh. clearly it's important to you. What's motherhood been for you?
1: It is the most important uh, role I've ever played. I mean, um, they're everything to me. You know, I feel like my boys are an extension of me. They're, I guess my legacy, if you will. And, uh, it's my, it's the heartbeat of me. It's everything. When one's sad, I'm sad. When one's happy, Mm -hmm. I'm happy. Just this past Saturday, I was at a volleyball tournament for nine hours. Let me tell you sitting on those damn bleachers. (laughs) I could have been anywhere, but I wouldn't have given up for anything in the world because that's what he's into. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I remember those days. I might've given up one or two of those tournaments for some, but <laughs> let, me tell you. Um, okay. let me ask you, let me ask you one other question that I ask. Um, often I ask male actors this, but I'm, I'm curious when you are seeing uh, male actors as a sex symbol, I think sometimes it gets in the way of the craft because people have to get past that first and then get to, Oh, that person can act. So for one who started as a model, who has been upheld as a standard of beauty uh, and certainly gotten roles because of that, sure. do you ever worry, though, that it too can hold you back from certain things? And if so, what do you do to try to combat
1: that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were roles that I didn't get because they thought, oh, she's too pretty. People are not going to believe her in this. Um, I think you just keep going, you know, just keep going and try to do, even if it's a small movie, that's different. I did a movie called A Girl Like Grace with Megan Good and Raven Simone. And that was a really different kind of character for me. And I think, you know, by doing things that sort of go opposite of what people think of you is a great way of um, combating that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Lastly, um, what do you want to start to develop with this uh, production deal? Because, again, those of us understand the business, people think, oh, you have a production deal and all of a sudden you're going to roll stuff out, you know, and it doesn't quite work like that. You know, you still yeah, have to get it greenlit. It's a lot of work to just try to convince people. But what are you shooting to create uh, with your company?
1: You know, I want to be able to create content that shows us in different lights that um, are diverse. I feel like so many times we play the same, it's the same story. Um, and I want to diversify that. I want to be able to do other things. I want to do non-scripted. I want to do scripted. Um, and I just love the idea of putting things together. I'm a planner. I'm an organizer. And that lends itself to me producing. It's what I, I really want to do when I'm not in the in front of the camera anymore.
0: Listen, let me say congratulations for all of what is on your plate and all of what you have been able to make happy uh, happen. As I said, we have been acquaintances for many years and you have always been very sweet and very gracious whenever I uh, bumped into you. And I appreciate that so much.
1: I appreciate you so much. And I love, love, love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And I, you know, people always rave about uh, Steve Harvey and the way he dresses. But you, <laughs> thank you, you my friend, need that love as well.
0: I will thank you and I'll call Steve you. and tell him what you said. You <laughs> Another big thanks to Garcelle. You can see her on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, season 12 on Bravo. And her book, Love Me As I Am, is out now. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media.